Hi, I'm Kenzie. I'm Jamie. And this is the Codependent Podcast. We are so excited to be back, and we have another guest today that we're so excited about. This is going to be a good episode, guys. We have Brady Brewer. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was probably our most requested guest. It like, was. We said, like, right when we started the podcast, it was probably our first week on the podcast, and we said, who do you guys want to see on the podcast? <sighs> and I swear, what, like, hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds, you guys. And we were like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, why didn't I think of that? That felt no, (laughs) because we're like, you're just our friend. (laughs) Yeah, like we've been friends through like everything, and so for us, we're just like, we were like, oh my gosh, yeah, like that's amazing, duh. And so we were so excited when you were coming back that we could do this and answer all the most asked questions, and for you to have a space to tell your story and. To always go back and hear it too. That's what I was gonna say. Like, because I feel like as time moves on, like, I mean, it's obviously not as like birth isn't as traumatic as having cancer, but like <laughs> the same with having like giving birth. I'm like I like forgot all of the details. For sure. Like even though like you're going through something really hard and like, but it's part of your story. So it'd be yeah. cool. Like you can go back and listen on this, and like so can Charlie. She has a daughter named Charlie, and oh, that'll be that. cool to like listen back on. Like yeah, it was a trial, but like you got through it. Yeah. It'll be cool to listen to. Yeah, no, I was thinking about that on the way here. Like, I have never actually told my story from the beginning to end. It hasn't really ended yet. But, like, I've never told. The only people who know are the people I live with and have seen it. And so... And live it with you. And live it with me, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be really cool to go back and see all the awesome days I've had and some of the hard days. The harder days, yeah, for sure. So why don't you start by introducing yourself to everybody because not everybody knows who you are. So give us a little intro. So, yeah, my name is Brady. I have been married for four years next week. Oh, my God. Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, I'm from Utah originally. I moved to Arizona when I was 13. Um, I do hair. Not right now since I've had the diagnosis, but I was doing hair for like seven years. She did my hair. And She's yes, really good at hair. And Jamie's. <laughs> yes, she did. Um, what else? Yeah, I have a two-year-old daughter named Charlie. She's two and a half now, actually. She's the cutest and thing she, to ever watch. Oh, my gosh. She's the brightest <laughs> blonde little baby Little toe ever. head. She is so cute. She's so cute. Um, and, yeah, we just bought a house in Mesa, Arizona, like a week ago. So we're super excited about that. Um, what else? <laughs> what does CJ do? CJ's her CJ, husband. Yeah, CJ's my husband. He works in construction at a company called RMJ. Um, he's a project manager. And he likes it. So he does. He loves it. He, it's, it's been a blessing for us. And all the guys he works with are his best buddies. And oh, so he really loves it. Good. That's great. So, yeah. I love what you're doing. Yes. And on August 11th of last year, I was diagnosed with stage 3 ovarian cancer. And that is crazy. And I'm so anxious for you to tell us everything from start to finish and tell us all the things that have happened. But why don't we start with you talking about your symptoms? How did you, how did you know that you needed to go to a doctor? What was going on and for how long? Yeah. So for a few months before I found out, it's probably like six to nine months I was having like food was upsetting my belly. Anything I ate just hurt my belly. And so I was just, we and Kenzie and Jamie were just talking about, I was having I was trying to do like no Diet Coke and no, and be gluten free. And that did not help at all. I was still really sick and I had a really extended belly. Like I literally looked like six months pregnant and I lost a lot of weight super rapidly. 
Like you looked six months pregnant while at the same time you were 95 pounds. Yes, yes. And at the pool that day that we were just talking about, Jamie was like, you look really good. Are you on a diet? diet? (laughs) You look so skinny. I haven't been drinking Diet Coke. I'm like, oh, it's not that easy. If only. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't that. So, um, but in your head, you were just trying to go through, I mean, you don't jump, you don't jump to cancer. Right. No one would ever think that that was, I, that didn't even cross my mind. And like I was having other weird symptoms, like my back was my lower back was hurting, but I do hair. So I thought, oh, maybe I just need to switch out my shoes and wear more comfortable shoes. There was then, always like a, like a solution. Oh, yes. Totally. This, I'm feeling this, but it's just because of this. Totally. Yeah. Food is hurting my belly. So it has to be something I have an intolerance eating. to, or yes. my back was hurting. I stand all day. I have a two year old I'm chasing. Totally. I'm bending down and yeah. So everything seemed like not a big deal. And then as my progress, my symptoms progressed, I started having the weight loss was a huge thing that I was like, hmm, that's probably not good. And then I was having like bleeding during and after intercourse and like no bowel, bowel movements at all for like five days. That's probably why your belly so, was That's so why my belly was so extended and bloated. Um, how much weight did you lose? Like how quickly and how much? Yeah. So I've total, I've lost 43 pounds. I started this whole thing at like 136 and the lowest I've gotten was 94 pounds. That's crazy crazy when you were in Utah were you 94 pounds yeah that's when I was like really that's when I got yeah I wasn't quite that little when I was living here it was like once I found out and started chemo I got you dropped dropped a ton so um what what were some of my other symptoms um that's pretty much it. So fatigue. Then, you were oh, tired. Oh, for sure. Tired all the time. Like even if I took a nap or got eight hours of sleep or I drank caffeine, nothing helped. I was like literally a zombie. And so finally one day I came home from work from standing all day. And my back was hurting so bad, like more than usual. And this has been like eight months of my symptoms. And I finally was in the kitchen. I remember so vividly. I told CJ, I'm like, something is wrong with me. I feel like I'm dying. That's exactly what he said. And so I had a doctor's appointment like two days later for a belly ultrasound. And it came back and the doctor called me and said, everything looks great. It looks normal. So then I went to see another doctor. I went to the OB and I got a bunch of blood work done. And she summed it up to being my thyroid or hormones. And so no one really knew what was going on or didn't ever think it was that big of a deal. Did you ever feel like you were being dramatic? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because I was telling CJ. Test back and I mean, they're these looking tests normal. Back, yeah. Everything's normal. And I kid you not when I say I would like eat an apple or a piece of toast and I'd be like, oh, like bent over and my belly would hurt from like the simplest, most bland, bland foods. foods. Yeah. So anyways, so went to the OB, everything looked fine. And then we had this family trip to Bear Lake scheduled with my entire extended family and my doctor no, my uncle, who is a doctor, his name is Crit. He's like, hey, I would like to talk to you a little bit more about your symptoms in depth, and I would like to fill your belly if that's okay. Because he kind of knew from my mom, talking mom to my mom. Like, talking to him and like, what's And they were all on? nervous, saying, Brady's losing a lot of weight. She doesn't, she doesn't seem normal. normal. I remember Blakely telling me, because her sister Blakely lives here, and she's really close to me and Jamie, and I remember Blake, Blakely being like, I've told my mom a million times how skinny Brady looks. I've told my mom. She's like, nobody I, believes me. Nobody, nobody believes, believes it. Me. Like, and then your mom saw you. And then she came down to Arizona and was yeah. like, okay. Something's going something's on. Something's wrong. Yeah. So. Didn't they think for a second you were just like 
anorexic? I think my mom so my, said that one. Yeah. Like, maybe I'm just anorexic. So my mom said it as a joke. She's like, Braid, are you not eating on purpose? Or what? Like kind of as a joke yes. to like see how I'd react. I was like, mom, what the heck? Of course not. And then I made a joke and I was like, kind of because I can't eat anything. Yeah, like I literally, like it, hurts. it hurts. I yeah. can't eat anything. So that was the first time that I think I was like, oh, I wonder if they think I'm doing this on purpose. And so... Anyway, so fast forward to the Bear Lake trip. It was my entire extended family. And my uncle, his name is Crit. He's a doctor. And he's just like, I would love to talk to you more about your symptoms. And so the day before our family trip was ending, he felt my belly and, like, was pushing on my belly and my sides and stuff. And was he was like, when he was yeah, it was, like, uncomfy. But yeah. nothing that he, he was like, oh, like, yes, this is horrible. Sure. But he was like, I really don't feel good about this. I want to leave early. And I'm going to schedule you a CT scan and I want you to get it tomorrow. So I left Bear Lake early. Were you I like got a CT out? scan. Not at this point okay. even. Also, CJ wasn't there. No. Nope. CJ stayed home. He had to work. So we couldn't get time off work for Bear Lake. So I was by myself with Charlie. And I remember not feeling good in Bear Lake at all. My family went on this big like hiking hiking thing up to a rope swing and I was like I do not feel good I cannot go and that's when I was like wow I'm like I'm to the point where this is affecting my life and like I'm not normal like this something is just not right and so yeah so I went home the next day I got a CT scan and my uncle said I'll get you the results back in 24 hours and then I found out the next day were those the longest 24 hours of your life or did you not I was still, yeah, at this point, I was still fine. What could it be? be? And at this point, since it had been like eight months of having these symptoms and not feeling at all, I just wanted to know. I just wanted answers. So I wasn't even super nervous at this point. And again, the last thing you would think would would be cancer. Well, and you think in your head, if I think it's cancer, I'm being dramatic and just going to that place. Totally. And then if it's not, then... Then why? I feel silly that I Then said I feel that. silly, and why did I let my brain go there for yeah. that long and give myself anxiety if it's not that, right? Yes. So I really wasn't even thinking that. But so what did what was that conversation like? Yeah. So he came, he brought the CT scan results. How? Yeah. Like, what? Tell me exactly so, what did that look like? Yeah. So my whole family was there. Blakely was still there because yes. she went to Bear Lake, and so we were all in the living room, like on the couch. And I remember my mom coming in because she was decorating a wedding, and my uncle had called her and said, "Hey, I have the result, the CT scan results." I need you to come home right now. But he didn't tell her what they he were. He didn't tell her what it was. But I think my mom felt like she knew like it was, it was bad. She because, because she had came home and she was like avoiding eye contact with me. I could tell she had been crying. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Like vibes were just weird. And so we were all sitting on the couch. And my uncle brings a like a dining chair into the living room. And he's like, he had like a stack of papers. And he said, okay, I'm going to read you what these papers say. And it's going to be a lot of words you don't understand. Um, but after I read it, I'm g- going to tell you what it says. And so he's reading these papers, and I remember both my sisters and Blakely were, like, all hugging me. My mom was holding my hand and kind of, like, tickling the back of my neck and playing with my hair. My stepdad was kind of, like, pacing back and forth with his arms crossed behind the couch, and it was just kind of quiet. Where was Charlie? Charlie was, like, playing with toys, but she was just being calm, and we were all in the living room, and at this, again, I still was like, this, this seems, like... Dramatic. Dramatic. And I made a joke to Crit. I was like have I been being dramatic the last few months or is there something really wrong? And he looked at me and like, did not want to joke. He's like, Oh no, Oh no. Like you have every reason to be, to feel how you feel. So I was like, okay. 
so pretty much he reads the packet and there's a lot of words and then he puts the papers down and he literally had tears in his eyes and they were so red because he's my uncle he i love him and yeah. we yeah he's family, he's more he's family. Like yes totally he like cares about me and cares about my family and so pretty much he said you have cancer we're not sure where it started um your diagnosis is peritoneal carcinomas. that's i'm not sure how to say it but that's a big word yeah <laughs> um pretty much you have tumors that have spread all over your abdomen so your peritoneal is your the lining of your abdomen and your pelvic floor so i had tumors that had spread on both sides of my ovaries all over my intestines my stomach i actually had two on the lining of my lungs on the very bottom i had one on my heart i had one in my colon so they had spread everywhere and then he said the next course of action is going to be chemotherapy and at that point, my sisters, I have a 16-year-old and a 19-year-old sister, and they were just, like, crying and holding my hand. And I remember my first my first reaction wasn't to, like, cry. I just was literally shocked. I, like, just sat there, like, this is not real. Are you sure? Yeah. Like, like are you sure? Are my results? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so from then on, it was just a whirlwind. I don't even remember what happened after that. Oh, CJ wasn't there, so we were FaceTiming him. So you had to tell him over FaceTime? So he was just FaceTiming. Oh, he was FaceTime during when Crit was telling me. He was on FaceTime. And so he flew in nine hours later. He got there at like three in the morning the next morning. And then from there, from then on, we just told all my family. I called my dad and said, hey, we just got news that I have cancer. And yeah. I don't even remember. I feel like the next few days after that were like a fever dream. Like it was just appointment after appointment after appointment. What was it like and seeing CJ? Like after you got that news, like oh my when word. you saw him? Yeah. Yeah. It was like so surreal because he, we both like looked at each other and we were like, what? Like that's literally the first thing he said. He said, what? And I was like, I know, like this is crazy. And like, even then, even then I, I don't really remember like crying still. I just was so in shock. And then when it finally hit me, I was like, then I was so sad about it, obviously. But when did it finally hit you? Like I weeks seriously, later? weeks later, I, I would say, so by the time I found out I had cancer and started my first round of chemo it was two and a half, just shy of three weeks. Wow. So it's all so fast. So I think it finally hit me that like, Hey, you have cancer. Like when I got my port placed and I like was sitting in that chair getting chemo. That's when I was like, whoa. I have cancer. I have cancer. Like I'm actually sick and So you got your initial diagnosis and then yeah. you ran did you run more tests after that? Oh yeah, a bunch. So after that it was I got a colonoscopy, which that was the most horrible experience and it did not go well because I have a tumor on my colon. So oh. my whole colon like ruptured during that and I aspirated I threw up during my colonoscopy and then aspirated my throw up and so and then stopped breathing during the procedure when I was like asleep and so I woke up with my lungs on fire from From aspirating all that throw up and I was just so sick after that so pretty much the colonoscopy doctor he came in and was like I almost ruptured her colon she needs to go into emergency surgery today and so I ended up not because my numbers were stable and my oxygen was fine so he let me go home but so that was traumatizing and then after that I got um a biopsy which that is what came back as ovarian cancer they went in and got a piece of my tumor from my belly um I got my port placed I got so did they change the diagnosis yeah so then after that um 
they changed my diagnosis to stage three ovarian cancer. Oh, okay. So it started in my right ovary. I had a four, four inch tumor on my right side ovary. And then just from then it just had spread. Was everywhere. there a time when you got, cause your first diagnosis was like ter- terminal. Yep. Yeah. Was so your, don't, yeah. don't Google that. Yeah. So that's, I was Googling that on the way here so I could like say the word right, which I still didn't, but yeah, the survival rate for peritoneal cancer is terminal. Chemo doesn't kill it. Doesn't remember, kill it and it has a sixteen percent survival rate. I remember Blakely texting me and it was right when you guys had found out and yeah. she texted me that and I remember exactly where I, I was. I Googled you, it. You texted me and you said Ugh. Brady's terminal and I was like I like was shocked. shocked. I was with Justin's family, we we're in Canada and I was like Justin and like I like can't believe this. Like she's twenty five years old. Yeah. It was, it was oh gosh, really don't scary. Make me cry. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was, I, I remember I, like exactly like, where I was even. Yeah. Blakely texted me and I yeah. remember just bursting into tears, like not Brady, but also like when I saw her, like she was sick. Yeah. Like I believe it because you were so sick, but totally. also it was like, yeah, you, you have a, you have a one year old. Yep. I know. I remember telling Justin and he was like, what about Charlie? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. And I'm like, well, no. so can you imagine how I felt when I. So I got the original diagnosis and at that point I wasn't even interested in Googling anything. I was just like, I just wanted to be with CJ and be with Charlie. And then I remember my mom saying, please, Brady, just promise me you won't Google anything. And I was like, yeah, like I'm not going to. And then I did one night and it was like, (laughs) I got a little curious and I, yeah, I Googled it and it was like um, 16% survival rate non-curable you'll have it forever if you make it to five years that's awesome so I literally just thought I was dying at this point and yeah so when you got the diagnosis for ovarian cancer instead what Mm -hmm. did your doctors tell you your survival rate was then yeah so when I met with my oncologist after the biopsy and after I got my blood drawn for my cancer markers my cancer markers were at 890 normals around 30 so my cancer markers were super high. Um, and the biopsy came back ovarian cancer, which is better than my initial diagnosis yeah. because ovarian cancer responds really well to treatment. Um, but it also has a really high rate for reoccurrence. So he told me, okay, at 25 years old, we're going to give you the strongest chemo medications because you, yeah. you can handle it. You're, you're healthy otherwise right so we're going to put you on these these chemos and we're going to start you in a week and a half and our goal is to get your cancer numbers down to a between a 60 and a 90 which right now they're at like 30 so that's so awesome yeah awesome so my body's responding really well good um but yeah he said chemo and then we're going to do your surgery and at this point ovarian cancer it's so hard because I'm the youngest patient he's ever had who's had ovarian cancer and he is he's probably like 65 so he's been in practice for 40 years and so he's like this is like the craziest thing I've ever seen so he said anybody that with a similar yeah so there's a there's another patient that he has that is like 38 and she has stage 3 ovarian cancer and even that is like I mean she's almost 40 like right like she's still well over 10 years older than me yes yeah 13 years older so so yeah, he and it's um, not genetic because you don't genetic. have any genetic markers or no right. family that had ovarian cancer. No family. Um, yeah, I tested for the BRCA one and BRCA two gene, the mutations, and I was negative for both. Wow. And then he was like, "Okay, there has to be something." So I'm going to do a more extensive search. So 
there's 23 other mutations you can have, and I was negative for every single one. So I have not one mutation, not one gene. Like, it's just a fluke thing that I... Just happened. Just happened, yeah. Did you ever think you would have cancer? No, no. And it's weird because, like, this is so funny because my mom would tell you when I was, like, 12 years old, like, from 12 on, even in high school, I would always tell my mom, like, is this cancer? Or I would like have like a weird like lump somewhere, like not like yes. like a bruise yes. or like I fell and got a lump. I'm like, is this cancer, mom? So I was always like worried about it. It was like literally one of my biggest fears to get cancer. And so I don't know if like subconsciously I kind of like like yeah. feel like I had a feeling that maybe I would get it one day. I don't know, but again, it like I never would have thought in no, a million years yeah. at 25 I would be be having to deal with this. But maybe. Maybe some part of you. Maybe some part of me, yeah, was at like. at some point. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. It's so weird. So when you met with your oncologist about your ovarian cancer, did he give you a survival rate? No. But if you look up the survival rate for ovarian cancer, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's not great. Hey, you're allowed to laugh. You're going through this. I'm like crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> yeah so yeah I've obviously googled ovarian cancer as well it's hard too that's yes. the statistics for ovarian cancer that they give you is for like 50 not even 50 year olds like 60 years and older really wow, yeah. people those that's the age group that gets ovarian cancer so I'm younger and healthier so that's good but it's usually like a 35 percent survival rate it's three out of 10 women survive did your doctor tell so you that seven, or that's just what you Googled? No, that's just what I Googled. My oncologist will, he doesn't, he won't, do he that. won't give that. He, yeah. he, and he, not just me, he won't give that to his patients at all. Which I mean, that makes sense. Like, I agree. So how sure. you promise someone life when you have no idea? No yeah. idea. You don't know how you're going to respond. You don't know how. Totally. Like, and like, you can't tell. He has other patients who have ovarian cancer. He can't be like, okay, the survival rate is this and give the same to each patient. And then this one never yeah. has a reoccurrence and is totally fine. And then this one has. Yeah. So if you think about the, those statistics, like it's not great. Seven yeah. out of 10 women pass away from ovarian yeah. cancer. And so. I want to know the story. Didn't he look at you and say like, what did he say? Yeah. You told me oh, that once this and like is, gave me the chills. Yeah. So I love him. He is just the sweetest, softest guy. And he always is like. When he comes in the office, he just has this, like, very calm demeanor. And he's always, like, when he talks, he, like, looks at you in the eye. Which a lot, I mean, a lot of doctors do. But his seems, like... Just he's staring into your Yes, soul. yes. Like, he really cares. Like, and he... Like, you can tell that he, like, knows that what you're going through is the hardest thing ever. And so, not only is he, like, super smart and, like, you trust what he's saying. But you just feel more calm around him. And you feel like he loves you and cares about you. And so, I remember... When me and CJ, CJ was here for this appointment and we went and I told him, this is when I still like thought I was dying. Like I had three months to live and that was it. so I, yeah, so I went and I like literally had tears in my eyes and I couldn't even like get it out. But I said, did we catch this too late? Am I going to be okay? And he like scooted his little rolly chair. He was on the little rolly chair and he crosses his legs and he like puts his hands on his lap and he looked at me. He said, you're going to be okay. And I like instantly just started like crying. I looked at CJ. I was like. I'm going to be okay. okay. <laughs> so I don't know. And like, who knows if he kn knew. How was CJ's knows? like reaction during, during like these appointments, during the diagnosis? Like what was yeah. he feeling? Like so knowing seen, that he could possibly be a single dad. Totally. Yeah. I've seen CJ cry twice ever in my life. And this was the second time. 
and no, this was the third time he cried when I saw him right after I found out. Mm -hmm. And then in that appointment, he was super strong and didn't cry at all when the doctor was there. And as soon as he left, he grabbed my face and just started crying. And he said, I'm so sorry. I wish it was me and not you. And that's when I was like, it's okay. It is. It's it okay. Is. Yeah, it is what it is. And so. Did you from, believe your doctor then? Like, I'm going to be okay. I did. Yeah. And that was the and first time you thought like, I'm going to make That it. was the first time I walked out of there and me and CJ went and celebrated at Neater's and I got French toast and it, I looked at him and I said, I, babe, I really feel like I'm going to be okay. Like I can do this. And you hadn't started treatment yet. Not yet. Not I yet. started like a week after okay. that. Yeah. So yeah, after talking to him, I felt a lot better. Mm -hmm. You still have that those lingering like, thoughts yeah. in your mind like what if what if? what if and it's still scary but and like what's coming like what am I about to go into what totally. are these treatments gonna look like right so what did treatments look like yeah so I get chemo every three weeks you just go in this um they call it the chemo room the chemo treatment room and there's literally 25 chairs like recliner chairs lined in there does it look and they're like how it full does on movies? yes you guys it's so <laughs> surreal to be in there I it is crazy. And my first round of chemo, me and my mom had a giggle attack because I was hooked up to chemo and like she was sitting across from me and we looked at each other. And we were like, what? My mom was like, what are you doing here? Because everyone was like 70 years old. And, you're just and I was just 25 to do, do, do my pink blanket and my cute outfit. <laughs> and my mom was like, what? Like, this is crazy. And we literally started giggling slash crying slash just like what all, the emotions. all of the, all of the things. It was just so surreal and so crazy to like be in that room and to see not only me like hooked up to chemo through my port and see my bags hanging there, but like literally 30 other people. Like it is like, crazy. Did you make any friends? Oh, I have so many friends. You call them chairmates and I love them. Oh. They're like all my grandmas and grandpas oh. and they... So you usually sit in the same spot. Like you kind of like you claim, claim your, your yeah. spot that every time you go, like people kind of stay in their same spot. So like usually the same person is next to you and you become such good friends with them and you take naps with them. And like if you get up with your little cart that you have to take everywhere with you, you're like, hey, do you want a snack? And they're like, yeah, could you grab me like an apple juice or whatever? And so you just become friends with these people and you're there for nine hours. So my, oh my, my chair time is nine hours. And so... Is everybody the same or there's... No, some people are okay. quicker. It depends on... What, what cancer, cancer you have and yeah. what, what chemos you're on. Was there anybody cl anywhere close to your age? So the closest, he's a guy. Mm -hmm. His name is Paul, and he's 42. Okay. And he has two kids, and he has colon cancer. And he wears this do-rag. Oh. And he has, like, little cornrows. Because you don't lose your hair when you have colon cancer. Oh, okay. The, the chemo that you're on, you don't lose your hair. And so... He has cornrows, and we've just become buddies. You're like, I'm and we'll go on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wish I had that. <laughs> and so we'll go on walks together. Like, since I'm there for so long, the nurses are so awesome. They're like, yeah, go outside with your little cart. You just have to air. take it. Get some fresh air. You're there for so long. You need to like get stretch up. my legs and get up. Yeah. So I like sometimes go on walks like around the around the chemo room and. But yeah, I made so many friends, and I will forever love them. Because, like, those are the people, they know exactly what you're going through. Yeah, they know how you feel. You. They can feel There's it. There's very few people. Yeah. They know the fear. They know physically how you feel. And so. Physically, so, how did you feel during yeah. chemo? Yeah, during and after. Oh. Like crap. During <laughs> Chemo's, 
during chemo yeah okay. so i feel way better right now than i ever did going through chemo so I i'm mean, like sorry during like during getting, while it's coming into your body oh no do you, you feel? don't feel it at all okay so through my port so i get all of my chemo and my blood drawn through my port and you don't feel it at all okay. so they just stick a needle in there and you sit there for nine hours you can't feel it go in you're totally fine i've seen you post with ice packs what is that yeah like, why so ice packs? yeah my hands and toes so you have to hold so i'm on a chemo called I'm on three different chemos, carboplatin, Taxol, and Avastin. Taxol is the one that makes me lose my hair, and that's also the one that causes neuropathy in your hands and toes. So they make you hold ice packs on your hands and toes to reduce the blood flow to those areas so that the medis- medication doesn't, doesn't go there. Doesn't go there well, that's cool. So that it doesn't cause... So neuropathy is like permanent numbness yeah, and in your, in your fingers, and that you can't, they don't function as good. Because you can't do so, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I hold Has ice it packs. Worked? Yeah, I've had no tingling or numbness at all Good, in my hands you and toes. Do my hair, so you need your. Yeah, hello, I need those. <laughs> <laughs> those are important. I really want those. Like, I don't care about my toes. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's. I hold them for like two hours, does and I can like, like take a break. Hurt? Oh, so one time I fell asleep with the ice packs like on my toes. I wear like little socks, so like they don't go anywhere. Yes. Like I can like sleep and and I woke up and my toes were freaking frostbitten like they hurt so bad they were like you know when they like tingle when they start to warm up i was like oh because usually i like will hold them for 30 minutes and then take a few minutes few minute break but i fell asleep and kept them on there and they were oh they were so numb (laughs) but yeah does the chemo make you tired during like, or yeah, you're so, there, so you're like, I'm going to take a nap. Yeah, no, so I'm on, you get a bunch of pre-medications. Okay. So IV Benadryl, I get two bags before, and that knocks me out of in course. five minutes. Yep. So I usually take a nap, like, for the first few hours of treatment, and then the next, while I'm actually getting my chemo drugs, I'm awake for those. Okay. So, so after you get your chemo, how do you feel? Yeah. So the day after, I feel great, because I'm on steroids. They give me anti-nausea medication. So the day after, I'm usually feeling pretty good. And then by the time all those wear off, I am unwell. <laughs> like it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's so hard. It's like literally like you have the flu times 10. Like you have the worst body aches. Like morning sickness? Yeah. Constant nausea. Like you're the constant chills and like where you, the watery mouth where you feel like on the verge of throwing up. Oh. Dizziness. You can't really look at, like I can't really look at my phone without being, kind of being dizzy. dizzy. Yeah. Um. I get that patch on my arm called Nulasta that boosts my white blood cells. Um, so that makes every single joint in my body hurt because white blood cells are made from bone marrow. So it makes all my bones hurt. literally feel like I'm like 80 or like I got in a car crash is kind like of like what like I would like your body just hurts. And then plus the nausea, it's horrible. And how long do you feel horrible? Cause you go every three weeks to, I go every three weeks. Yeah. So the day after is good. I'm really bad for about four days. And then by day five, I'm like feeling I can function more normally. Did you dread chemo days or were you kind of excited because you're like one step closer? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's both. I would like be excited because I'm like, this is one more round done. Like I can freaking do this. But then like the night before I'd be like, no, please, (laughs) please don't make me go. But. And so how, how often did you get the chemo? Every three weeks. Every three weeks. How many rounds? So. I did seven rounds. Okay. So, and that was what you were planning on doing? Um, so it was always initially six to eight. Okay. So at, by, at six, I got a CT scan, 
And my oncologist was like, I want you to get one more just because it won't push out your surgery day anymore. And why not? You're responding really well. And let's get those cancer markers a little bit more. Let's just do it. You're young and you can take it. So I got round seven, which was the worst one yet. Yeah, because I think mentally I went in there thinking, oh, he's going to tell me I don't need it. So I was not mentally prepared for that round. And it was the worst one. I don't know if it's just because it was round seven and that was more chemo in my body. And my body was just getting tired. Or mentally you were Or just mentally I was not there. So it was harder. Do you feel like cancer has been like really hard emotionally for you? Oh, yeah. I think it's both. I think it's physically just as hard as it is mentally. Mm-hmm. It's so hard for your, like I said, the statistics that I have aren't great. So how does how does your brain not go there? It's literally impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so, so, yeah, I've had a lot of anxiety and a lot of nights being worried and sad and... Just like so probably questioning like questioning what? everything and yep. so overwhelmed and yeah and so you got all of these treatments in Utah yeah what made you decide Utah versus Arizona because that's where you were living yeah so I think just the the first part was just that I got my diagnosis in it diagnosis in Arizona so I was started the CT scan there and my my Utah. uncle, yeah, in Utah. Utah. You said Arizona. Oh, sorry. Utah. In, Ari- in Utah. Started in Utah. Yes. yes. I was already there. Got my diagnosis there. And to get into an oncologist usually takes a few weeks. Yes. But since my um, uncle was a doctor, he's like, I'm, I'm going to call call my friend. My oncologist is, is his friend. And he, he's like, I'm going to get you in as soon as possible. So I literally got in three days later and just started it with him. So yeah. that's kind of... Like, did you and CJ ever even have that conversation or that was just what it was and you knew that? Yeah, so that's just kind of what it was initially. We hadn't really had a conversation with where long-term I was going to be. Right. Because you didn't think there was going to be a long-term. Yeah, I, I had no idea what my treatment plan was. I had, they had no idea what it was. I had, I did not know anything. Um, until I got into the oncologist and he said, okay, after I got all those tests done, he said, this is ovarian cancer, this is your treatment plan, I want you to start chemo, chemo right away. That's when I was like, me and CJ had the conversation where I was like, hey, I'd rather do it up there where I have all my family and help with Charlie. He works full time. There's just no way I could have done it down here uh, mentally, emotionally, and without help. Yeah. So, and how much I'm gone at doctor's appointments, chemo, fluids, I'm gone all the time. Like your kid as well on top of that. And just knowing that when I'm not there, that she's with people she knows and she's comfortable with made this whole process for her her totally made this process easier for me knowing she was taken care of and for her because she knows her grandma and grandpa rather than being bounced around house to house people she doesn't know yes yes. people like volunteering because people would volunteer totally they would totally it's it's her grandparents right yeah it makes more sense makes more sense and it just made me feel more comfortable away from cj though yeah yeah oh so that this is a little dicey, Ooh. dicey topic. <laughs> no, it's definitely been hard. Like in general, I think it'd be hard to go through cancer. It's not, it's going to be hard on a marriage. Of course, Anyways, no matter what. doing it apart has been not easy on either end. And I think there's a little bit of resentment maybe that CJ feels like I didn't choose to be with him and I chose to be with my family. So and I think he understands now why Absolutely. he gets it now. But I think the initial conversation was like, ouch, like you'd rather be up there with your family than like me taking care of you. And so but logistically, you knew that, logis- that just, and you work and you have to work. He, he just totally probably wanted to be with be you. with me. 
Yeah. It wasn't so much like, I'm mad that you're choosing your family, but more so like, I want to be there with you. But also, like you said, you look back and now you're like, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And he knows that too. He's like, with how much? Like, I and didn't how realize. how long you're sick five days after chemo? Like, right. I can't do anything for five days like after. Yeah. What would he do? What would, what would Charlie do? Yeah, and exactly. so. Like, you'd have to quit your job. Totally. You need the insurance. Yeah. The money, we can't. have a roof over your head. Like, totally. There's so many logistics that go into that. Right. But, and I'm sure like. As a husband, as a spouse, it's like he's also trying to deal with all of these emotions and what if. Totally. And like, yeah, and I've had to like put myself in his shoes and be like this. If like the roles were switched and it was him who was sick, it like this would be so hard. And so I know that he is struggling too and going through going through a lot. And so I just, we both just had to come to like an agreement whether we like agree to disagree. If you think that it was best for me to get treatment here, I thought it was best to get treatment in Arizona that's fine. Yes. Let's make it work that way. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've done. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my decision to get treatment up Good. there. Good. Yeah. How was all of this with Charlie? Like, cause that had to be like your first thought when you got your diagnosis. Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. what about my one year old? Like Charlie was one at the time. Yep. Cause it was August and she turns two in September. Yep. Yeah. She turned two on my first day of chemo. That was her birthday, oh. September 8th. So I'm like, happy birthday. I was like gone for nine hours that day. So crappy. She's but. not ever going to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so I find a lot of peace in knowing that. I was going to bring that up actually. Like she's she's two and a half now. And knowing she's never going to remember this, like I find so much comfort in that because I've been gone so much and I can't take care of her like I used to. And so, yeah, it's a lot. It's hard because, oh. You I'm feel all cry. the mom guilt. I you feel, can't do anything about it. I feel mom guilt and I feel bad that like her life is flipped upside down and she's at she's living at my grandparents and she dad is here sometimes and not sometimes and so it's hard and I can tell as she got older, she's like, What is going on? Like There were probably days that she was just like, What is my Totally world? But can't you totally. see I mean I remember since day one, Charlie's always been like the easiest most flexible child totally you have to know that she was given that gift because she needed it oh for sure yeah looking back on all this is like literally everything happens for a reason I knew when I had Charlie it was at the time I was had only been married for eight months and I was like what the heck I wish we would have waited three more years looking back if what if I what if I waited and what if I didn't have her knowing what I know now. And so, yeah. So she, someone on Instagram messaged me and they're like, I bet Charlie is your best medicine. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like literally the perfect way to put it. Like with her, everything seems okay. Cause she doesn't, she doesn't, she know doesn't know. Sick. And she doesn't care about my bald head. She doesn't, she still just loves me. And you're just her mom. I'm just her mom. And so she's been the one constant thing that is, has made me feel normal and that has and made me feel like I'm day. not different and she's there every day and she loves me and I don't look sick to her and she doesn't know. And so, so thank she's goodness the best. for Charlie. Thank goodness for her. She's I love her. <laughs> I love the pictures of her rubbing and kissing your <laughs> Oh my head. gosh. Those are the cutest. I literally no. bawled. Oh I my gosh, you guys. I like, when I shaved it, she literally looked at me. She had that kind of a weird face and she was like, mama? And I was like, it's mama. And then she grabbed my cheeks and then just gave me the biggest hug. And from then on, she has not was, cared once. So it was, it was nothing. Yeah. So tell us about shaving your head. Because yeah. I knew you didn't want to. Like, yeah. that was going to be really hard. Super hard. Yeah. So 
my first round of chemo, that was like my number one question. I was like, when is my hair going to start falling out? And he's like, it usually happens two weeks after. And they were exactly right. A week and a half, I started brushing my hair and having, I wouldn't even say clumps at this point. I was having loss, like a bunch of loss. Yeah. Like almost like postpartum, Postpartum, but a little bit worse. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And so, and my scalp started tingling. And so I told my mom and told CJ, I'm like, I do not want it to get to the point where I'm having clumps come out that's traumatic that's traumatic and the anxiety of like waking up and having it be on your pillowcase which it was sometimes I'm like I'm, I'm not even gonna go there and so I wanted to catch it before it got to that point so I went over to my grandma's and had my entire extended family over and we played my favorite song a life that's good just on repeat and we were outside and had every single one of my family members my extended family cut a piece of my hair and then all of my immediate family shave a piece of it and so it was the most special like it was literally one of the best nights it was like liberating but also terrifying and all of the things like yeah all my family was there just crying and hugging me and it was awesome did cj shave his head cj shaved his head i had like two cousins shave their head my stepdad he shaved his my brother brody so that's lots of support it was so cool was shaving your head as bad as you thought it was gonna be no well so that night i like that day, knowing I was going to my grandma's to shave my head, I, like, put on fake eyelashes and, like, got all ready. And I was like, you know what? I shaved my head. I'm like, you know what? I don't look that bad. Like, this is totally fine. This. And then I went home and, like, got in the shower and took all my makeup off and then looked in the mirror. And I was like, oh. Okay. Oh. It's not as cute when you don't have makeup on and you're not all done up. Have, have but, you lost any other hair at this point? Like, eyebrows, eyelashes? Not yet. All okay. my eyelashes and eyebrows were there. I didn't lose my eyebrows and eyelashes till like, round four of chemo. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Those stuck on. I even still have a few eyebrows left. Eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> the eyelashes, I had, like, two on each side. And I'm, they were hanging on by dear life. Like, so I'm done. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Those didn't go till like, round four. But, yeah. The Emotionally shaving, shaving um, your head would be emotionally hard I feel it was hard yeah but not as hard as I thought it was because like I was preparing for that I knew that and so I almost felt like I said like it was sad but I felt like it was like liberating I was like you know what I have some control over this and I didn't I wanted to control when I lost my hair I didn't want you could take oh I would totally totally but you said to us before we started recording that like shaving your head felt like you were sick like that, yeah. that had to have been like an adjustment too. Oh, for like sure. People looked at you and like, not like now you have cancer. Totally. Now you look sick. You look the part of being a cancer patient. And it almost is, I was telling you guys that it like, seems like I have a shirt on my back that says cancer patient, like right here. me. Yeah, totally. And so that was hard. I think looking sick and looking like you have cancer changes it changes it yeah because like you said you're like i got all done up and like my hair looked good and i was fine and then you lose like you don't have hair anymore yeah and then you lose your eyelashes and then you look even more sick and then, and then you, you're like i'm not 75 like right I'm not a bold yeah. 75 year old no i am 25 and i <laughs> yeah hairdresser yeah and i do hair and it is important to me and it's not like like i had good hair and it was long Beautiful. and i took care of it and and so it was sad. The hope it, is, though, like, your hair will probably come back just as I, beautiful. I hope. It'll come back yeah. even more beautiful. Yeah, yeah, lots of people says it, like, changes during chemo. Like, I have had chemo friends that I, like, talk to on social media, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, mine came back so curly. Or, I oh. used to be dark, and now it's blonde. So I'm, like, so interested to find out, like, Whoa. what it is. How long do you think it'll take? 
So it usually takes like six to eight weeks after your last round of chemo to start, which you guys felt my head the other day. It's a little fuzzy. <laughs> it's a little fuzzy, which it's usually not at all. It's usually like seriously bald, 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 like baby butt smooth. And so I have little hairs coming in. So probably in the next, I don't know, I'm five weeks out of chemo right now. So Just next few weeks, I should start having like some girl. real hair coming in. So I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm excited. It will be good. So you finished your seventh round of chemo. Yeah. And what what happened after that? Yeah. So I finished my seventh round of chemo and I met with my gynecologic oncologist. She's the one who will be doing the full hysterectomy and the debulking of the tumors. So we actually haven't talked about your surgery yet. So yeah. what is your surgery for? Like why are you getting yeah. a total hysterectomy? So since I have ovarian cancer that has spread everywhere, I obviously need my ovaries removed. And I they're just taking all of it to be to be careful so yeah they're taking my uterus fallopian tubes um all of it while they and they're also at the same time going to be going in and manually what's going in and removing the tumors the tumors that are left if there are any left over yeah is ovarian cancer at all linked to breast cancer i don't think so okay no they're not worried about that no okay no especially not at all since i don't have the well since i don't have the mutations the BRCA one or two i hopefully have a less chance of reoccurrence. Good. So. so you have to get a full hysterectomy. Yep. Was that shocking? Yeah. I think out of everything I've been through, that is probably one of the hardest hardest parts of all it for of all of it for me because like you get told you have cancer and it's like, okay, it, it might be hell for a year, for two years, but like, I can do that. I can do it. I can do it. And I can feel sick and I, and that's fine. Like I'm strong enough. I'll I'm get strong through. enough. I'll get yeah. through that. Like, give it to me. I don't care how hard it is. I want to live. So I, I want to live. I'll do whatever. But then to be told that, and that changes your life anyways. Like yes. you get told you have cancer and it's going to change your life. But then for it to actually change your life and you can't have kids anymore and it's hard. And that's probably one thing that I haven't even let my brain go there yet. I don't think about it because if I do, I get like a panic attack. And so yeah, that's probably one of the harder things I've that would be I've the had to go so through. Was that like an appointment where they told you that, or did you kind of just know going in? Like it was my very thought? first appointment. Yeah. Oh. So even before chemo, he told me we had talked about um, saving my eggs if that was an option, and he said, looking at your CT scan, it's you have a maybe one percent chance of even getting one egg. So he said, putting you through the egg retrieval and the shots you have to take, he said it's it's not going to be worth it. So I knew before I started chemo that I wasn't. That you wasn't that an that option, was and that that was gone. Was yeah. So like you said, if you would have waited for Charlie for three more years. Wouldn't have had her. Yeah. So that's such a blessing. I mean. Oh, huge. Yeah. But I, I mean, that would probably be the hardest part, I think, for any woman is being like, you're planning on having more children. That, mm-hmm. would, that would be really hard. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling CJ, like, I know that however we do it is going to be beautiful. But, like, knowing... Not knowing that your last pregnancy was, was yeah. your last is so hard. And I'm excited for adoption. And we've talked about maybe Blakely carrying, getting surrogate. an egg donor and Blakely being my surrogate. And so it's going to be so beautiful, but it's tough. It's different. It's different. And it's not what you... It's look, just not what you had planned. You're like, I'm 12 years old and I'm excited to have five kids and be pregnant and totally, have babies. And totally. To be told at 25 yeah. that that's not going to happen. Totally. Like, and just get, like, it got ripped away from me in, like, a second. So. And I think you're, like, like you said, you haven't even let your brain go there because you're, like, yeah. 
trying to process living and like totally and that's yeah at, right now at this stage of where I'm at I'm just trying to like survive like yeah. I'm survival I'm mode. just I'm in survival mode I'm just trying to get through chemo and get through my surgery I haven't even thought about okay what's life gonna look like after cancer what's it gonna look like to grow our family just because that That'll brings come. me too much do you yeah, see a therapist no but I'm gonna need to because <laughs> I, I feel I like a think lot of I, cancer patients do so oh I for just, sure no I'm gonna need some major therapy just because to like come come to terms with the trauma that for sure like you said it was a blink of an eye and your yeah, life my world got changed flipped upside down and instead of thinking about oh my life has changed how has it changed what am I going through it's like no you're in chemo you're losing your hair you're yeah told you're barely gonna live like totally you're, like you said you're just surviving I'm just surviving so it's like emotions kind of come behind physically surviving yeah. and sometimes I don't even know how I'm feeling like people ask how are you doing it's like I don't freaking know like you can't even feel I can't probably. even feel anything right now I'm, I I feel sick I can tell you that but as far as like like I was pushing everything down, just trying to like all, I mean, my whole entire life, literally like five days a week was appointments and cancer and chemo and fluids and being away from Charlie. Like I had no, no other thoughts, no other thoughts at all. You had no room to feel right. anything else. Do you feel like you're finally able to take a breath a little bit after yeah. your final round of chemo? Yeah. I'm finally feeling more normal. I, especially being in Arizona, that's what I, CJ actually was like, hey, you should come here for two weeks so you're not just like twiddling your thumbs in Utah, waiting for, waiting for your surgery, worrying about it. And I'm like, that is a freaking great idea. So coming here and like going to your Valentine's party, like that's what I've needed to feel normal. Oh. I feel like it was like, I, mean, I have a little too. bit, yeah, I feel like I have a little bit of my life before I found out I had cancer. Because the longest you've been in Arizona was for that Mixers event, right? Yeah, like, like five days. Yeah. And that was not like even a week. also a cancer event. Yeah, like, yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, you know what it's I mean? It's revolved like, around cancer. Yeah. yeah. So you haven't gotten to like... Be normal. Try to like... Totally. Just a little bit of like... I'm also just like a human. I'm Brady. I'm a girl. Totally. And, Brady. and I... That's perfect. Like, I'm still me. Like, I'm still Brady. I. It's so hard because it's like... This is like not even, not even taking over... Or it's not only taking over my life, but it's like... That's what everyone knows me as right now is like, I'm sick and I have cancer and like, I just want to be normal. I just want to be Brady and I want my friends to be normal around me. And so I I remember even like, sorry, like hugging you. You're like, people are just like so fragile with me and so like. Which is like, it's so hard because you, you just don't know. It's hard not like, to. I totally yes, get that. Like, but it's so true. I'm like, I hug you. Now I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like <laughs> yeah. squeeze you. But it's like when you hug someone, yeah. you just have no idea. Like, am I hurting them? How does this feel? Like, totally. so it's hard for you. But like, that's everything. Everywhere you look, everybody that touches you, everybody for that looks sure. at you. Like, yeah, people, it's hard for people even to like navigate conversations with me. Because it's like, they want to ask how I am, but they don't want to bring it up. But they want to know. But they don't want to say the cancer word. But they, and so... I just like, want how people to be oh, like, I'm fine. Like, it's still me. I'm fine. You can ask me. Like, I'm still Brady. I'm well, still I mean, Brady. People probably it's, feel like, I can't tell you my problems because they seem so Yeah, scary. that's also, yeah, no. Like, I, I have a fight with my husband about not doing the dishes, and you're like, oh, well, I have cancer. It's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> no, I don't want anyone to ever feel like that. Like, each person, what they're going through is just as hard for them as what I'm going through. Like, Trials are hard and life is hard and mine is not any harder than what other people are going through. So I think for your friends too, like now that you're here for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. now we all get to see you more. But that first yeah. time we saw you, it was like, we had not seen you since the diagnosis. Since I found out. Right. And so like you've had a couple months to process like what you're going through, but your friends. That, that was the first time you guys had seen me. Yeah, we hadn't yeah. seen you. And so it was really, for you, Surreal. it probably was less 
tragic because you've been living this life for already a couple a few months. months. Yeah, but for us, it was like, you have cancer. Like, right. that that hit us like a brick wall when we first saw you for that first time, yeah. you know? So it was, it was like, you had been dealing with it, but we have to deal with it. Yeah. But we feel bad that we have to deal with it because you're going through so much worse. <laughs> and like you said, it's like people don't want to ask you, but then you're also I like, know. I want to know. Like, I want to know what, what you're going through and what is what has, like, life been like. But, yeah. You probably feel like you're in this bubble of Utah and, like, cancer. Totally. That's and, like, why I needed what, to get out. What is going on in the real world? Totally. Exactly. I don't have friends there. Yeah. I, I don't live there. I don't have friends. So it's like, I can't even get out of it, get out of my head for a second. Like, hey, Ken, hey, Jamie, do you want to go grab a soda? Yeah. Like anything. Normal. I didn't have that. I didn't even have a freaking car there. So I couldn't just go to a store when I when I wanted to. So probably didn't feel I up to it. Like, a lot of times I didn't. But there yeah. was sometimes where I'm like, I just need to like not be home. Like, I need yes. to go to pedicure. Yeah, something. Like, something to myself. feel normal. Yeah. And so Arizona has been so good for me because I finally feel like a little bit a glimpse of just what life was before all this and what your so, life like you said like you have what it's even, gonna be you when, haven't wrapped around it but you like you have a home now i have and, a home like, and you have somewhere to go to and you know it's yours totally like it's you and cj's and charlie probably has a, her little room yeah and yeah like, you have that yeah so you have your surgery in how many weeks so it's march 3rd okay thursday march 3rd so what is that Two and a half weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah, a couple weeks. So then you'll go into your surgery mm-hmm. and you'll recover in Utah. Yep. Recovery time? Six weeks. Okay. The longest six weeks, four to six weeks, depending on what they do when they get in there, what they find. Could be shorter, but the longest, I would say six weeks. I'm in the hospital for a week okay. of oh, that. Okay. So. And Charlie will just be with your family. Yeah, Charlie will just be. No, she'll be down here actually. Okay. Yeah. So CJ's gonna come up when I get my surgery. He'll be in the hospital for three days, and Grand Charlie's gonna be with Grandma, CJ's mom, while CJ's in Utah. And then he'll come back, and while I recover, she's just gonna be here with okay. him. So, Good. I just thought it was easier for since I'm gonna be like incapable of watching her, and my parents both work. It would just be easier for her to be down here while I. I'm in the hospital yeah. for a week. Like, that's a long time to try to coordinate, for them to coordinate what to do with her. Oh, yeah. So in four to six weeks, once you've recovered, you're going to come home. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll come home. I'll be on a maintenance chemo. Will you switch oncologist? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to keep my oncologist there. He'll do all my CT scans. So I'll get a CT scan every three weeks for a year. So four in a year. And I'll fly up to Utah for those. Um, as far as, like, my maintenance chemo, so I'll be on a maintenance immunotherapy every three weeks for a year through my port so i'll do all that in arizona so you'll sorry you'll get your ct scan every three months yeah okay so that's every three months i yes. can fly to utah yeah. for that oh, so yeah. that will be easy you can see your family yeah, yeah it'll be good to see my family and see my oncologist and have him yeah be the you one know to him and trust i know him. him and trust him and he has been here for all of it does he is he like cool with you coming to arizona totally he says i that happens a lot if someone who someone who's going through cancer their spouses change jobs and they have to move. Like it happens all the time. And so, yeah. So I'm going to have an oncologist down here and up there. Good. So I'll do all the maintenance here. And then after that, hopefully that's when I'm in remission. And And then then you just move on with life. I don't know. What do you do? You get told you have cancer. You do it for a year. And then now they're like, hey, you're good. Okay. Go back to work. Yeah. Like what? That's going (laughs) to probably hit you for like. That's when I'm going to be like, okay, I need, I like, I'm going to need some therapy because yes. in the back of my mind, I'm going to be like, Am I is it back? Still? Is it back? Yeah. Yeah. Is it coming back? Every symptom, like every, every weird thing. Yes. Yeah. So that's going to be hard. Yeah. Do you want to go back to doing hair? 
Yes. Yeah. So I worked two days a week before all of this and I'm going to try to do one day a week, see how that is. And then maybe just see from there, maybe add. Yeah. What's so nice about my job is I can choose my hours. I can go in from, I can go in and do two clients if I wanted or yeah. So, and if you're having a hard day and it's too much and you're like still weak, your clients are so yeah, sweet. they understand. Yeah. yeah, totally. I could be like, hey, I'm not feeling great and yeah. reschedule exactly. or whatever. So it's You found super out flexible. you had cancer. What day of the week was it? I don't know I what don't day know of the day. week. It's but August 11th. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I had a hair appointment. Like probably, I think I had a hair appointment on like You did, Wednesday, I remember. And you had found out like over the weekend or something. And yeah. I remember texting you and being like, guess I have to box dye my hair now. Yeah. Yeah, like you're not worried about my hair, but... <laughs> I was trying to just. I remember make it that. Yeah, totally. I was like, I yeah. miss you. You're supposed to do my hair. <laughs> yeah, so weird, huh? That That's that just. Crazy. So I had an assistant, and I just had my assistant. Like when I found out, I was like, "Hi, I don't know if you saw on Instagram, but just found out I have cancer. Here's my scheduling app. Can you reschedule everyone for me?" And she's like, "What? When do you want so, me to reschedule them to? Like, yeah, two years from now." Totally. So I just said, "Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say reschedule. I was like, just cancel everyone off my yep. schedule." Yep. And it's like everybody She's, knew, like yeah, totally. Especially like where like Mesa Gilbert, like small kind. I mean, like not tiny. And they did like, so ev- many girls' hair yes. around here. Everybody that knew. Everyone knew. Yeah, yeah. It was a huge thing. Was that so, hard? Like it was pretty public. Yeah. So I waited a few days to like post it on Instagram to like share it because I just wanted time to, to, process to process it and to be with my family. Um. But yeah, I feel like once I put it on Instagram, if any, I just got so much love and so much support and it was awesome were you surprised by how much yeah because like lots of people have cancer it's it's not just me a lot of 25 year olds have cancer and so a part of me felt like like uh, why why do so many people one care but like even people who didn't know me like loved me and would message me and be like I'm praying for you or send me packages and so it was just really cool and it made me it made me like I don't know what like when I'm not sick you best believe I'm gonna be any GoFundMe I see I'm gonna be like oh donating to that I don't know it's just amazing to see all the support I got on the other end of like like you do see like people that have cancer and you do see GoFundMe and you're like that that was me right that is shocking I was on that other side I know it's crazy it's still like sometimes I still have to like pinch myself and be like this is my life this is my life what is the one thing for you that has come out of cancer? That has stuck out the most. That has stuck out the most. I think what the number one thing that has changed like within myself is just my perspective on things have changed. I I still am human and care about like worldly things, but like like in the grand scheme of things, those things don't matter. Like the coolest house and when you're fighting for your life and like and you have like when I think about Charlie, I'm like, nothing else matters besides my family, my friends, and Charlie and CJ. Like nothing else matters. I could like literally live in a dirt hut as long as I'm healthy and they're healthy, I'm happy. Yeah. And so I think my perspective on things have shifted and I'm way more ha- happy with the little things and friends are more important to me and family's more important to me and just things don't matter. Like having the nicest car or having the most Instagram worthy house, like none of it matters. None of it. When you're there. I can't imagine being in your shoes and like, like you said, like the blink of an eye, your life was just different. Totally. And you can't prepare for that in any way. Right. Literally whatsoever. And it just happens. Yeah. Like you said, like one, like one CT scan, one conversation changed 
everything. And so, and like, like I said, like I still care about like getting my nails done and stuff. And, but like when you really think about just like life and like health is huge. And you guys know that with your kids, like when you have sick kids, everything seems way more stressful and way more like everything is just harder. And so, yeah, I think, I think just my perspective has shifted on a lot of things. Which is like a blessing that you can think of a positive going through something really hard. Totally. Yeah. And another positive is like all the prayers. I can 100%. I always said like in church, did you guys ever hear people say like when they're bearing their testimony or whatever, they'd be like, I can feel your guys' prayers. Yes. Yeah. I'd always be like, no, you can't. That's so dumb. Like, what do you mean by that? What, how do you feel them? I can like 100% say when people pray for me, when they say I I have been praying for you. I have felt it and it has like literally like lifted me up and made things feel okay and made me feel less stressed going into a CT scanner, my first round of chemo. Like it, I can like literally feel them. So it's been awesome. Did you feel like angry at any point in this? Like why me? Like this is not fair. Like, did you feel that at all? Or were you always just like, this is kind of my trial and I'm going to go through it and like, um, yeah, I've been angry for sure. For sure. I, yeah, I think like anger and like, feel, I, I have days where I feel bad for myself. I don't know if that's the same thing, but sometimes I like lay in bed and I'm like, okay, like I'm by myself cause CJ's not there. And so I'm like this bald person who can't take care of my kid. Like I used to, and I have a colostomy bag and a port and I'm like, this sucks. Like my body will never be the same. I don't even recognize myself. And so I start to feel feel like poor me, this, this is stupid. And then I'll snap out of it and be like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I, and I'm doing it. And, and then I, and then I try to think of all the amazing things that have happened, but I've definitely had times where I'm angry and feel bad for myself. I can't imagine. I'm like, can lay with you in bed right there. I'm like, (laughs) Just wish I could give you a big, huge hug. Because <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, I li- like I literally can't imagine. Going from, like, last summer. Like, literally. Like, this has been how long? Like, you were diagnosed yeah. in August. It's been, like, nine months It now. hasn't even been a year yet. Mm-mm. Like, last summer, we're sitting by the pool. Yeah. Like, whole head of hair. Yeah. Drinking. And what's crazy is I had cancer then. Yeah. It's so crazy to, like, look back and be like, oh, I was sick in that picture. Like, all the times we would hang out. I was, yep, you were I literally had cancer. That It's so crazy to look back and think that. I can't like look at a post of like anybody's of yours. Like it, like I literally just start bawling. And I remember DJ turned to me and he was like, like when we found out he was like, but like, what about CJ? Cause he's like, like that is a husband. That's like, like you said, Justin said that like, yeah. that was where his mind went. Like, but like, what about CJ? Like, right. Like everybody was like, I remember DJ being like, I know everyone's worried about Brady and like, obviously, but like, how was about- he? Yeah. Yeah. Especially as a husband. Like I remember like being like, I'm thinking about you. Like I'm thinking about like, what's Brady? Like, if I'm in your shoes, that's where I'm putting I'm myself. putting myself as Brady because I'm a mom and like, how is she doing? We're the same age. And- yes. Yeah. Totally. But DJ was like, like, and he just started bawling and he was like, I just like, I can't imagine it. And like to see like where you guys started and see where you started. It's like where you are now. Like. It's amazing. Like, you're so strong. Like, Thank you. Charlie doesn't know what's going on, but she'll know when she's older and she'll see your pictures and be like, 
that was my mom. Like my mom did that and she's so strong and she did it for me. Like you did it for Charlie and you're so amazing. Thank you. And we love you. I love you guys. No. You're awesome. Everyone tells me that and it's, if you, anyone could do it. Anyone could do it. I don't believe that. Don't discredit you. (laughs) Maybe not as, um, I, again, I'm not always positive. I have days where I'm sad and, and mad, but anyone could do it if you had to. So when you're placed there, you, you do it or you don't totally. Yeah. And you did it. So I freaking did it. You did it. I'm almost there. And you have a road so. ahead, but you're strong and like, thank you. No matter what comes, you're going to get through it. Cause you're Brady. You're awesome. Yeah. Thanks guys. And we love you. I love you Thanks guys. Thanks for being on. Yeah, of course. Thanks so for fun. having me. We have you back on after surgery. Yes. yes and we'll when my hair's growing back, we'll have a new update on Yes. how Brady's doing yeah that'd yes. be so I fun love it. <laughs> love okay well thank you guys for Yay. listening and leave us a review and let us know what you thought and we'll see you next week on the codependent podcast seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.